Hey, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. And I want to take the next uh, few minutes, however briefly, to introduce what we're going to talk about uh, probably the next five or so weeks uh, coming up to Easter. Now, we're going to head to the Old Testament of the Bible. And maybe you haven't spent a lot of time there. We've been a lot of preaching from the New Testament, uh, which is, you know, when Jesus walked this earth and then after he ascended into heaven. And so we're going to backtrack a little bit and go to the history leading up to the New Testament. And we're going to look at a particular book of the Bible. And we're going to look at the book of Judges. And this is all within the theme of this year, talking about remaining in Jesus. We read the scripture this morning from John chapter 15. Remain in me as I will remain in you. And so our prayer is that we would remain in Jesus uh, not only today, but for the rest of our lives. In everything that we do, my prayer as your pastor would be that you would remain in him. And we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can only do that because of Jesus. And as we study this book of Judges over the next couple weeks, or the next weeks moving forward, I think what we'll discover, at least if you've ever read the book before, is that it kind of gets a little bit depressing. It kind of gets a little bit difficult. The children of God, the Israelites, the people of Israel, they decide for themselves how they're going to live their lives. And they wander. They wander away from God because they didn't follow the instructions that God had laid out for them to live, to be successful. And my prayer is that we would not follow their example but that we would look to Jesus to be our example instead. And that we would let the power of Jesus lead us. Which is why I want to remain in him because I don't want us to go this way or that way. I want us to remain faithful to him because it's what God wants for us. And so I have a few notes here I want to share with you today. And um, let me just give you some context here with the book of Judges. So... Uh, you read the first five books of the Old Testament. They're called the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's basically the founding documents of, of Israel. The founding documents of our world, if you go back to Genesis. Uh, and when you then transition from those five books, you get to the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua was the man who took over the leadership of Israel when Moses passed away. It was up to Joshua to lead the people, of course, under the leadership of God. It was up to Joshua to lead the people across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Of course, maybe you might know the most famous story of Joshua in the Bible is the story of Jericho. And he takes the Israelites and they march around Jericho for seven days in a row. And on the seventh day, they march around seven times and they give a shout to the Lord. They blow the trumpets and the walls of the city fall down and they begin to take the land that God had promised for them. And so they have began this conquest of, of, of driving out their enemies and they begin to settle in the land. And we've come to the point in the book that Joshua has ended. In fact, the very first words of the book of Judges chapter one, which comes right after the book of Joshua here in the Old Testament, says after the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said, 
Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. And so I will encourage you, you can go ahead and read more of that. It goes through the story. And what we're going to discover very quickly is that they were commanded from Joshua's time, they were commanded in the time of the judges that you will not, well, we'll get there in a second, but it says you will not make a partnership. You will not make a covenant with these people because they are ungodly and they will turn you away from me. They will turn you away from the life that I've called you. They will turn you away from the faith that you have established in me. And I think this is relevant for us today. And let me just tell you right now why. Moving into the promised land was an idealistic theological step of faith. And faith, in case you don't know, is always a journey. Faith will always move us from one-dimensional thinking, like this is a really good idea, and it will move us into a complex reality that is always going to be tested, challenged, and even contested. See, Israel knew. Israel knew that this land was promised to them by God. But when they got there, in fact, before they got there, they sent spies, Joshua being one of those in Moses' time. They knew that the land was occupied. And so they had the faith to believe, sure, this land is our land, that God has promised for us, for future generations to live and to dwell in, to make this our home. But they had to move from the idealistic faith. It's really easy to go, hey, that's a great idea, God, let's do it, to then actually taking that first step and actually plunging in and doing it. Because that first step often leads to some sort of restriction, some sort of of headbutting, some sort of challenge that's going to that's going to get in the way of our faith. But how? But I would I would just say, what is faith if there's not a challenge to overcome? I mean, really, what is faith if there's not really a challenge to overcome? Is it really a step of faith if there's nothing to contest what God has spoken to us? If there's nothing to challenge us? If there's no trial that we have to go through? Is it really faith? Because if it's not being tested, how do we know our faith is real? And that's exactly what the Israelites face as they move through the promised land. They have to deal with different cultures and societies that have occupied the land that God promised for them. And they have to move through this step and take it from the one-dimensional, simple, idealistic thing to this very complex, interwoven sort of situation of, of dealing with the practical needs of moving in to an occupied territory. I said in my notes here, I said it's kind of like hearing a really good message on Sunday or listening to a really good podcast or watching a really good sermon or whatever, having a really amazing moment with God. And then you get up Monday morning, you know, the alarm goes off, you go back to work and life kind of just goes back to the way it was before that moment. And you realize, well, what has really changed? Maybe nothing has really changed, but I had such an incredible moment. Now what's going on? You know, we have to be able to move from the great ideas that God gives us and to continue to run and walk in the things that God has promised to us in order to actually experience those things. And so this morning, I'm inviting you, and in the next few weeks, I'm inviting you to not be afraid to take those next steps of faith, to not be afraid to push through some of the, some of the, headbutting, some of the contested land that we have to go through, some of the challenges that we're going to have to face, face, some of the challenges we're going to have to face in our faith. And if you are on the fence, 
if you've been sort of back and forth, should I do this, should I not? What will people think of me? What will people do? What will happen to my position? What will happen to uh, all this and that? Whatever the case is. I want to encourage you, take a step of faith today. Don't just say it in your mind. Don't just make it in your heart. But don't be afraid to take a physical step and make a change in your life that will require real faith to accomplish. Now, I've titled this series, Only Abba also translated only God. But I wanted to use the word Abba as opposed to just God because only our Father, only Daddy, only Daddy can do it. Only our heavenly, godly, amazing Daddy can see us through. And as we learn through the book of Judges, the only way the Israelites are ever successful is because of the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness to the covenant he made with their ancestor Abraham. To the promise he made to Adam and Eve. Only God. And so this series I've titled Only Abba. So if you're having a hard time taking that step, moving past your anger, moving past your doubts, moving past your fear. I want to encourage us today, and I'm saying this to myself, don't be afraid to take the step of faith. Because if God has promised it. If God has spoken it to you, then we trust that God will see us through no matter what sort of judgment we face from the world around us, no matter what, what, what challenges that people try to push on us, no matter what tries to stop us, no matter what darts the enemy throws at us, no matter what lies come our way, my heart is that we would push through those challenges and move into a new season of faith move into a new season of breakthrough because there is so much more that god wants to do to see his kingdom come here on this earth here on the north shore as it is in heaven there's so much more that he wants to break through here and he's looking for people that are willing he's called his church to be his hands and his feet he sent his holy spirit to empower us to do the works of god and so if we are not willing if we are unable and unwilling to go to the places that God has called us to go, he's going to call somebody else because God's plans will never fade. And I want to be a part of God's plans. And I want to invite you to be a part of what God is doing. Let's look in the book of Judges here for a second. Here I am trying to edit, apparently, pictures on here. All right, go away. Come on. Thanks, iPad. <laughs> All right, so during the time of Judges, Israelites were between this time of having leaders like Moses and Joshua, and kind of in between this time of having a king. Now, we know throughout history that people need leaders. Now, we don't always like our leaders. We don't always like having to listen to them. But they keep us on the straight and narrow. They keep us on the steady course. Even if that course is the wrong direction, we follow because they're the leader. This is a season where Israel is really in this transition of we don't have a king and we don't have a clear appointed leader ahead of us. As we just read here in Joshua or Judges chapter 1, Joshua has passed away. Uh, we're going to rise up Judah, his tribe. He's going to take over for a little while. But here we see God raise up these judges to bring some direction to Israel. Now, there wasn't just one judge over the entire population. There was occasionally just one judge that would sort of rule or oversee 
the land and the people. But there was many judges, and we're going to look at a couple of them over the next few weeks. And a lot of their time overlapped, and some of them looked after some tribes here, some of them looked after other tribes here. But we're in this sort of in-between state. There was a, It was kind of like a confederacy, uh, kind of like a union of tribes that sort of formed the nation of Israel. There was 12 tribes, so there was sort of this union among these tribes to create this nation. And the book is from the people known as Judges, who God provided. You know, Israel would often, as we'll find out very soon, very quickly, they would rebel against God, okay? And as a result of their rebellion, they would have to suffer some sort of oppression from a neighboring nation. When they cried out to God, he would send them a judge to deliver them. Sort of a little bit of a savior type of person. Again, this is just foreshadowing to the coming of Jesus, to the coming Messiah, that God would provide somebody as a form of salvation. But they'd call out to him in their desperation. God would send them a judge. And as we'll read here very quickly, sometimes they ignored the word of the judge. Why they would do that, I have no idea. This is the Savior that God has provided for them, and they decide to not follow anyway. It is, you know, I say it's so hard to believe, but if it comes down to it, I'm sure we can relate at some point in our lives. Now, Moses had prophesied, that Israel would be oppressed or become servants of a foreign nations as one of God's curses if they rebelled against the terms of the covenant. And the book of Judges really proves this to be true. We see right away some instances of rebellion right off the bat. At the same time, though, the book of Judges demonstrates God's faithfulness. It demonstrates his persistence towards a wayward people. So even though the people continually rebel against God, God says, look, you guys clearly don't understand faithfulness. And so I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to show you what faithfulness really is. I'm going to show you what it means to remain faithful. And every time they call out to him again, God always provides a way. Whether they respond or not is up to them. But God is always faithful. And even when we get to the end of this book where it just seems like there's no hope for Israel and it seems like there's no way out, we still see that God is still faithful. Judges displays in what I would call the human depravity or the human need for God. There is nothing that the children of Israel can do to fulfill the God-sized dream that they've been given, to fulfill the God-sized vision, the God-sized promise that they have. The only way that they'll ever see this through is to lean on the one who gave it to them, God himself. By the end of this book, we know that deliverance cannot come through human hands, but by God alone. That's why this series is called Only Abba. There was much work to be done to purge the Holy Land from those who oppressed God in Israel, the one true God. Those who stood against God were considered enemies. Therefore, they were enemies of the people. So judges are essentially God-ordained leaders that needed to take up the mantle of leadership. Empowered by God's spirit, they led God's people to face their opponents. He would go before them and he would remain with them. They had nothing to fear. Much like their ancestors crossed Egypt, 
or exiled Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, wandered through the desert, crossed the Jordan River, and began to take down the walls of Jericho. God was with them. God would go before them. All they needed to do was trust and obey. And so we see that Judah has taken over. And they began to move. He begins to take the other tribe of Simeon with him. And you can read this, Judges chapter 1. And they begin to fight for God. They begin to move and continue the work that has, been, that has already been done. Now, Joshua led some very mighty conquests with God's people to take the promised land. And a lot of the big military battles have taken place, but there are still tribes, there are still Canaanites in the land that God has promised to Israel. And God said to them, you need to remove their influence. You need to remove them from the land. And this is why, and this is what he says. And if you read here, verse or chapter 1, verse 27, talking about Manasseh, he says, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shaheen and its villages, and its villages are the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, and so on and so forth. Canaanites persisted in the dwelling in that land. So essentially what would happen is they would go to war, they'd go to battle, the other side would maybe surrender, and then they would let them live in the land with the Israelites. And this is exactly what God told them not to do. Chapter 2. This is what he says in verse 2. He says, I will never break my covenant with you. And you, talking to the children of Israel, shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this that you have done? And then it goes on again how they have disobeyed and not followed. Notice how it says, I told you to break down their altars. They would worship the gods like Baal, and they would have temples and altars to false gods, to, quite frankly, statues, things that weren't real. And God says, I need you to destroy those altars so that you will not be tempted to follow their gods. Remember, a relationship with God at this time was very different than how we understand having a relationship with him today. Sure, we might go through moments of silence and not hear from God or, or wonder if he's real. But when we've had an experience with Jesus, we have access to the Father. And we can have an experience with Jesus right here and right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he could introduce us and be the bridge to the Father. But it was different then. They had this very negative influence that would sway them away from God. And if they didn't destroy the altars... They would begin to worship the same way that their enemies worshipped. They would worship their gods instead. Uh, chapter 2, verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people of Israel, dismissed the people, the people of Israel went to each his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timonath, Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And all the generations were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation. This is where it gets important. We need to pay attention to this. And 
all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And then we're going to come back to this in just a second. So we see that Joshua has died. The elders who served with Joshua have passed away. Now there's a whole new generation. They didn't cross the Jordan River. They didn't see the walls of Jericho fall. They are an entirely new generation that has come along. And they did not follow the ways of the Lord. Why did they not follow the ways of the Lord? Simply put, they were given options. They began to mingle with other faiths. They began to live with distractions. And so sometimes I started the message off with taking a step of faith. And what happens when we take that step of faith and we hit a wall? We find a challenge, someone challenges, someone says something. Uh, we start to worry about our position, our standing, what will people think of me? Whatever that challenge is, you have to figure that out. Sometimes that challenge exists because we've allowed a foothold of the enemy to take place. We've allowed a stronghold of the enemy to remain. God said, look, eradicate the people, push them out of the land. The land is your inheritance. It's the land I promised your ancestors. It's the land I've promised you. Do not let them stay in the land. They will turn your heart away from me. And we see a whole generation, we see this entire generation grow up not knowing who the Lord is. And they begin to become like the wayward son. Going this way, going that way, every tribe following the customs of their community and not living the life that would be a covenant relationship with God. They're not living out their faith the way that God had told them to live. They began to wander and not remain faithful to him. And so here's what God did about that. Verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to the judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. Uh, the other translation says they prostituted themselves out to other gods. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. And then it goes on to say, whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge. And he saved them from the hands of their enemies all the days of that judge. And you can continue to read that on your own time again. Judges chapter 2, 16, 17, and 18. I want the very best for your life. I want the very best of God for your life. You know, God's faithfulness, God's mission continues this very day. You know, leaders come and leaders go. Pastors come and pastors go. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, for the record. But God remains sovereign. His good work will continue based on the power and presence of God, not just ingenuity or the strength of human leaders, but the presence of God will remain, not just the ingenuity or strength of human leaders. 
You know, Jesus told his followers because he knew that his time on earth was coming to an end and he would ascend to the Father. He prepared them, his whole ministry, for this moment. And his command to his followers were to go and to wait on him. Wait on the power of the Holy Spirit to come before they moved out in their mission. You know, that speaks volumes to us. Had the children of Israel done what they had done from the beginning, they said, okay, God, Joshua has passed away. Who will be our leader now? They took a great first step. They recognized in that moment, okay, God, we need some direction here. And what happens? They begin to walk in faith, and then they're confronted with a challenge. They're confronted with a different people. They're confronted and and then all of it just starts small. You know what? It's okay. We'll just let them live in this part of town. We'll just let them stay in this little part of our lives. And we'll wave to them across the white picket fence. And, you know, whatever. We'll keep our distance. And, well, what happens? They begin to worship all the other gods. Because they've allowed that stronghold to remain. Look at the disciples. They remained faithful to Jesus. Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. So they went into Jerusalem, they went to the upper room, and they began to pray. And they began to wait. And they began to pray. And they began to wait. And they began to pray. And they began to wait. And finally, God sends the power of the Holy Spirit upon them. And then they step out in their mission. I am encouraging us today, if we have an incredible vision, mission, moment with God, wait in that moment. Wait for the direction because God will give you the next step for when the challenges come. You know, the disciples could have did what they did when Jesus died. We're going to get to that at Easter. But when he was persecuted and when he was put to death, what did they do? They scattered. They ran away. They hid. They did not wait. They did not remain. They ran away. They learned their lesson, though. Because Jesus redeemed them. And we see it happens with Peter. Peter was told that you will, you will deny me three times. And he does. He denies Jesus three times. And then Jesus comes back and he restores him three times. He restores Peter. And so Peter has learned the lesson. Look, I am not going to wander anymore. I'm not going to run away when things get hard. I'm going to face the challenges head on because the Lord is with me. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is with me. So wait on God. Don't be afraid to take that next step, but don't be in a hurry to take the next step. Wait and hear the directions of the Lord. Wait in the presence of God, because it's his power that will sustain. It's his power that will carry us, not just ingenuity or strength of human hands. Our job today, our job this week, is to take some time, to take a few minutes, do it this afternoon, do it right now, as soon as this video is over here this morning. Take some time in the silence. Take some time, put on some music if you need to, some good Christian worship music, whatever. Watch this worship again from this morning. But begin to seek the Lord's spirit and begin to seek his power and begin to seek his presence so that you can be a part of his mission. The word judge equates to the idea of restoration. Beyond a judicial role or function that we might think of today, in our society or culture, the judge could be described as someone who brought about restoration of, of shalom, restoration of peace. Even though there's lots of battles and, and, and wars and oppression that will take place and some really dark, almost scary 
kind of Western movie type things that we'll discover today, we know that God remains faithful and he's calling us to be people of peace because he came as the Prince of Peace. It was a quiet and peaceful time, sort of. And he's bringing that quietness, that stillness, that peace to us, even when we face challenges of many kinds. So let's take a step of faith by remaining silent in his presence, by remaining close to our Heavenly Father through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we can walk and overcome. And here's, here's the warning today. If there are things in your life, if there are patterns in your life, things that you used to do that, that keep you from experiencing all that God wants you to do, if there, are, if there are things in your life that you need to get rid of that distract you from God and his mission, then get rid of them. Take some time and, and do it David do, did. Pray like David and say, God, would you search my heart? Search me, try me, oh God. Search my, look into my life. What are the things that are serving as a barrier between the things of God and the things that he wants for my life? God, would you search me? Would you try me? Take those moments and wait on him. Take a step of faith and allow him to reveal those things so that he can break down those walls. You know, God could take down the walls of Jericho generations before the book of Judges takes place. God can certainly break down the walls in your own life. If there's influences from other people, from other religions, whatever the case may be, say, God, I need you to put up a wall. I need you to set up the boundary. I need you to set up that barrier. God, remove the distractions from my life so that I can walk in faith. I can walk in goodness. I can walk in perseverance. And I can face whatever challenge, whatever speed bump, whatever mountain before me, God, will become a speed bump. Because I have the faith to believe that you are with me. I have the faith to believe you've called me, oh God, to take this next step. Don't delay today. If you want to make a decision, it says the people were without leaders. They were without a leader. My question to you this morning is, who is leading your life? Who is in control of your life? Is it you? Is it those who influence you? Or is it Jesus? My encouragement is to let Jesus be the leader of your life today. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the love of Jesus. Thank you for the presence of Jesus today. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, in this journey of faith. Lord, maybe in the middle of our anger, in the middle of our anguish, in the middle of our challenge, would you give us the strength, O oh God? Would we see the strength of Jesus, the strength of God come alive? The power of the Holy Spirit, oh God, come alive so that we could overcome these challenges. Lord, for the distractions, the influences, the footholds of the enemies that exist, I pray against those in Jesus' name. Would you release them from us now? Give us a freedom to walk in, the freedom that you have called us into. Lord, would you cause the things of darkness, Lord, to be put in their place? And Lord, would you let your light shine, Lord, and reveal the things that are hiding and holding us back. God, I praise you and I thank you for your awesomeness. In your name I pray, amen. Mm -hmm.